You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is your host, Ben Wolf, as always. Uh, I'd like to welcome you here today, ask you also to pause. Please stop for a second, leave a review, follow, like, comment, so that the algorithms that govern uh, the platforms and systems on which you are either listening to or watching this will uh, make it available to more people. I really do leave a leave an Apple podcast review. Please do it. Do us a favor. Do everybody else listening to this a favor and uh, pause and do that. I appreciate it. All right. So with that, I want to introduce uh, our guest today on the topic of the virtues of being a generalist. Uh, and our guest today is a fractional COO and integrator for companies running on EOS uh, through his company, Vivid Path. Uh, he is also a System and Soul certified coach. Uh, you can find out more about him at vividpathconsulting.com. And with that, I give you Mark Scrementi. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Ben. I'm looking forward to our conversation. As am I, as am I. But before we do that, I want to ask you, uh, as I ask all of my guests, if you don't mind giving uh, us and the listeners and viewers a quick two-minute background to sort of tell us sort of where you came from and, uh, you know, how you got to where you are now and, and you know, such that you're speaking about the kind of topic we're talking about today. Right. All right. Well, it's, you know, the path seems circuitous in in retrospect. In the moment, it seems random. And then you look back, it's like, it kind of makes sense. You see how each step led to the the uh, the other. So I think there's lots of paths to being a generalist, and mine happened to be from the liberal arts side of the spectrum. And you know, English major in college, uh, philosophy minor, and I think it's a great background for being a generalist. We can talk about more about that later. But um, I have a master's degree in professional writing. Fun fact, and you I know, I had I to find a way. That. Yeah, I, I had to find a way to engage in the marketplace and. Uh, the place I, uh, the space that took me was uh, tech, you know, and I found my way through tech. So that's how I started my career. And I, I started as a tech writer, uh, moved into consulting, then got into the startup world. This is all sort of early web era, you know, like this, this brand new thing called the World Wide Web was coming and it was here and it was really exciting. This, this new medium and technology that was going to transform the world it was very exciting. So I worked at, uh, startup and then I worked for myself and learned a lot of stuff along the way. I learned how to code and all that. Uh, I can talk more about that later. But I think then, you know, for 12 years, I was in one place in online retail. We sold musical instruments. You see a guitar in the background. I play it poorly. Uh, yet another thing that a journalist would do, right? Play an instrument poorly. Jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, we'll get to that, though. Um, there's more about that. And then in, in online retail, that's where I found my place in operations, um, and again, I didn't expect to be there, came at it through marketing at that point. But um, I really discovered I love building things, and that's what operations is all about. And there's a lot of synthesizing and team building and a lot of people. Um, there's a huge people component to it, as you know. And so I grew as a leader there, and uh, the company grew, had a lot of success uh, while I was there. And that kind of... Um, the one missing piece I would say is the why purpose. Um, and that was frankly, what was missing from that company. Um, we did well, but without a why or a sense of purpose, mm -hmm. there's only so far you can go. And I realized I need that extra motivation, the purpose, 
And so now that I've been on my own for uh, a few years, three years as a fractional, and then doing the coaching, doing one-on-one -on -one coaching as well, it's really my opportunity, my why. I found my why in giving back to people and helping people do what I've learned to do operationally in terms of building the systems, processes, teams, and so forth to grow a company, hopefully a purpose-driven company that actually knows why they're doing what they're doing, because that's, um, without that, I think uh, you eventually falter and probably die. Well, I, right. And I appreciate that. And, and that phrase that you used before, jack of all trades, master of none, it's uh, it's conventional wisdom. Everybody knows it, uh, but not not very often do people talk about the quote unquote virtues of being a generalist. So mm -hmm. what does that phrase that you use mean? Yeah, well, I think the virtues of being a generalist, um, you know, at some point, you know, I talked about purpose and, you know, this built into that phrase is master of none. And that's, that's where I dispute. I think, I think as a, as a true generalist, when you find yourself as a generalist and true and Truthfully, I think it takes some um, years of experience and maturity to specialize in being a generalist. And so that that's where we find ourselves today or where I find myself today is, uh, you know, specializing in being a generalist. So what does that mean? Um, you know, because as we seek mastery in what we do, because, you know, ultimately that's what drives us. You want to be good at what you do. Um, at this level, though, so, I mean, you know, you can be a generalist at different levels. If you're a if you're a young, immature, inexperienced generalist in a leadership position, that's probably not going to go well. Um, and there, you know, we can talk about that, like the stages of a company and when when a generalist versus a specialist is required in what circumstances. But once you get past that, um, you know, as you um you know, rise in 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 leadership and rise in the ranks, so to speak, in a hierarchical structure. You know, your purview becomes broader, and the broader your purview, the more your generalist background is useful. To the extent that you know, at this point now, you are you are you are managing, you are running, you are um, directing a, a very diverse team of you know different business functions different personality types, different communication styles. We're talking about, you know, business people, marketing people, tech people, designers, uh, customer service people, all different kinds. So the broader your skill set and the broader your your experience in all these areas and, um, and with all these types of people, the better in terms of your leadership. I think leaders, um, good leaders, great leaders tend to be more generalists. And I think you may start as a specialist, but as you become as your responsibility becomes broader you need to be more of a generalist um, to be able to work effectively and to synthesize all of these different activities and and people and so that's uh so the virtues of being a generalist i think the ability to do that and that is something that you develop over time now you also need depth you need sufficient depth across these different categories functions in order to be effective but you don't need to be an expert, for example. So mm -hmm. you need to know something about marketing. If if you're a COO, and you, you know either that function falls underneath you, or that you know you have a um, so a CMO who's at your level, uh, and, and you need to work together effectively. 
Um, but I see things holistically anyway as a system and they all interact, they all interconnect. So you really need to know something, um, especially at the root level. And it, it, there's also, um, and I will, I could go on about this and I am aware I've already talked for a while, but the point here is that there's kind of like, you get to that meta level, you know, like as a generalist, like where it's, it's no more about, it's no longer about an individual uh, subject matter area or business function, but it's about um, that meta level above that sort of an abstraction layer where, where you're trying to, um, where you're thinking about how these things work together and synthesizing them. And that mm -hmm. becomes sort of your domain of expertise, the synthesis, right. the integration. Right. I love that phrase you used before the uh, specializing and being a generalist. Mm -hmm. That's a great phrase that you, that you said, what are, what are some examples so we can understand of like, what, what do you mean by a generalist? What is a generalist? Like, because it's sort of a general term, right? So yeah, our generic. So what what, yeah. what do you mean? What do we mean when we say generalist? Yeah, and it's funny. I can't remember if you if you uh, if you originated that term or if I did. Um, because I'm not even sure. Uh, where it came from, I'm not even sure what I think about the word uh, generalist. Uh, uh, I think a generalist. But but to answer your question, um. Because it because it has a negative connotation, um, and and uh, it's it's almost like we need to rewrite the narrative about that. Um, but to answer your question, how do we rewrite the narrative? Um, I think a generalist again has um, you know broad knowledge of a lot of different areas, and needs sufficient depth. Um, so, um, for me, for example, you know I've I've served in different roles. I've served in marketing. I've served in you know creative direction. I've I've done coding. I've learned how to code. A lot of it is DIY. A lot of it is the DIY spirit, the entrepreneurial spirit, which is different generally from your your organization person. You know your your um, corporate person, uh, mm -hmm. where you kind of get plugged into a spot. So if any anyone who's grown up in sort of an entrepreneurial environment or had the opportunity to be in one. And I, and I consider myself privileged to have had that opportunity, which I can talk mm. more about. Um, you kind of learn to do things yourself and, you know, it doesn't make you an expert necessarily, necessarily, but um, that's how every entrepreneur starts out. Right. You know, they, they, they all start out. It's interesting. Um, I'm going on a little tangent here, but it's related. The, um, have you ever read the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber? I started it, did not finish it. Okay. Did you not like it? No, I maybe I just didn't get into it as much. I don't know, but okay. I know it's, yeah. it's a classic, uh, very highly influential book. Right, right. Well, and... Yeah, reason enough not to read it. Like if, if for some reason that rubs you the wrong way, but I, I, and I was kind of resistant to it at first, but I read it and it's like, man, this is a really great book. And it's really kind of the foundation for a lot of these business operating system concepts where he he's looking at, you know, the the franchise model, like how do you standardize things so you can reproduce them? Like, even if you're not planning to be a franchise, you got to think like a franchise, you know, and that's how you actually build for scale. He starts out that way. And he's a good writer, so it's well written. But his my point there is that he's like every entrepreneur starts out typically as a specialist, like whether you're yeah. a baker or a developer or a bricklayer, you know, you, you've got a specialty, but then very fast, you have to become a generalist. And so there's these, it, it, it's interesting, like becoming a generalist, starting out as a specialist who becomes a generalist, and it, depending on the stage of your company and, and the stage of the growth, you kind of have to shift back and forth. And there's times when, you know, you need that generalist and there's times when you need that specialist. So back to your question about um, the virtues of being a generalist, 
um, to have the ability, I think that that flexibility, adaptability, to kind of bounce around, learn different things, absorb them, learn them well enough to do them yourself, and then find somebody you can hand them off to who can do them better than you. But at least, okay, now I understand that thing. I now right. understand how it works. I know how to talk to this person. That's the that's one of the key things. Like, you know, let's say de developers, classic thing. You know, um, it's you know, if you don't know anything about technology or if you're mystified by technology, it's a black box. And the developer will say, "Oh, we can't do that." It's like, and you know, if you. <laughs> And if you're like, oh, if you take them at the word, it might, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, this happens all the time, but it, it may well be, no, they just don't want to do that. Or it's just too, it's hard. It's too hard. Or they don't know how to do that. doesn't mean it can't be done, but you need right. to have like the confidence and sufficient knowledge to be able to question that. So some of that is personality right. and you just, you know, confidence and, and so forth, leadership skills. Some of that is just knowledge, you know, and so your ability to learn. So going back to being a liberal arts major, um, that was one of the blessings, I think, of having a liberal arts education. We could talk about education, too, but um, because, you know, you're studying a wide variety of right. fields. I think if I were in college now, I, I don't know if I have the luxury of doing that, you know, the, the way, you know, with college being so expensive, I might want mm -hmm. to take something more practical, you know, something more career oriented if they offered right. such a course. But, you know, you're studying physics, you're studying biology, you're studying English, philosophy, political science, um, and you're picking up mental models along the way. You know, like for me, like Hegel's dialectic, and this is from philosophy. Do you know that? Do you know that like thesis, antithesis, synthesis? It's this idea. For those terms. Right. <laughs> you know, but but it's it. it, it it explains it's a useful mental model that you can take with you for the rest of your life and apply in different situations. Uh -huh. And it can be sort of a you know, in his case, it's sort of a, a a model, a dynamic model for how the world works, how ideas e evolve over time. You know, Marx adapted it, you know, to dialectical materialism, you know, his 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 understanding of history. So that my point is, you know, things like the bell curve or or um, the scientific method, you pick these things up right. as a liberal arts major. And and eventually, if you're fortunate you find a way to use them. You know, everybody tells you, tells you, I remember when I was in college, people said, um, you know, have, being a liberal arts major, that's going to be valuable in the future. And I think that was based on this um, vague notion that, you know, it was the digital age. It was the dawning of the information age. And everybody knew computers were going to be important. This was before the internet, though. So they didn't even see the internet coming or the web coming. Um, but they're like, you know, somehow this is going to be applicable. It, the, the the thing that they didn't realize is that it, it, it probably was decades later before some of this stuff actually became <laughs> useful. Right. And I had to I had to um, in the meantime, you have to you have to make a living and you have to figure out how you can, you know, apply right. what you're able to do. Um, but I see what yeah. you're saying about, uh, you know, about so that liberal arts. So that was a lot a there. Broad, yeah. yeah. Having sort of a a broad way of looking at things and that you come up through, you know, obviously through specialization or multiple specializations, eventually being able to become an effective generalist, meaning like a, a manager over multiple sub departments or a COO, let's say over or CEO over, over multiple, over multiple functions within a business. Right. But um, what, let's go to the other side here. What happens in businesses or what have you seen happen? What's some, you know, story example, something you've seen happening where there's no, generalist, whatever that means, you know, every, everybody's a, a technician, everybody's a specialist, everybody's a SME subject matter yeah. expert in something. Um, and 
what have you, I guess if you could tell me about that, tell me about the anti, anti, antithesis before we yeah, get to right. the antithesis of, uh, of, uh, of what happens when you, when you lack uh, a generalist in a business. I saw what you did there. Um, yeah. So, well, I think um, a kind of myopia uh, can happen, but I, I think it's often, it's often at the leadership level, you know, like if somebody comes up a technician, um, and again, that's how they usually start. Um, they they have specialized knowledge, but but they may not be a good um, a good manager of people. You know that that's a common one, right? You know, people quit their jobs because they don't like their boss, and why don't they like their boss? Their boss doesn't really isn't really effective in, as a manager. Um, so you know, a lot of going back to the e myth, um, if a lot of entrepreneurs or founders are first technicians, you know, with specialized knowledge, uh, if they don't kind of sufficiently um, make the jump to being more of a generalist, like you look at some of the best ones, like, like, like Bill Gates, I mean, Zuckerberg, you know, whether you like him or not, I mean, he's made, he's made the jump, you know, from being, you know, a, a brilliant, you know, kid programmer to being a CEO, you know, so um, there's plenty of other stories like that, but, you know, not everybody can do that, you know, so, um, or they can only do it so far. So you may, you may be able to do that, uh, to get your company to a certain point, a million dollars in revenue, $2 million in revenue, but you always meet these inflection points where, okay, beyond that, I have now tapped out my, uh, or we have tapped out our internal expertise, um, personally as the leader, the founder, the leader, but also with in-house, like we need to bring in somebody else who can take us to the next level. And, and interestingly enough, that could be a specialist at that point, you know? So for example, uh, I can give you an example, like one would be with, um, HR. So, um, when I started out at the online retailer, we didn't have an HR person. We had a, we had an office manager. Um, and when I took over the call center, you know, we had, we had over a hundred percent turnover, uh, mm. the year before. <laughs> yeah. We, we hired 30 people. We lost 31. I remember oh that number gosh. distinctly. Yeah. It's that terrible. is insane. And, wow. And, and, it, it, it points like two people. It's like 30 people. <laughs> no, it's a lot. Right. And, and so, um, that actually points to two different examples that are kind of related to, to your question. So, um, the person who came before, here's a case of, it's almost like the inverse of what you're talking about. A specialist who's overgeneralized for the role. So, you know, we had this bad call center turnover problem. So, you know, and I had just started the company. I'd been there for about a year. Um, and so we ended up hiring a guy with 30 years experience in a very large call center, AT&T. He worked for AT&T, like as big as they get. So right. multiple call centers. And we said, okay, well, surely this person knows everything about running a call center. And he interviewed well, and he talked about servant leadership and all kinds of things. So, okay, you know, that's our guy. And it was a miserable disaster uh, because um, we kind of overfitted on the specialization. You know, oh, call center, we have run a call center. It's a fit. Well, it, it turned out it wasn't a good cultural fit predominantly. You know, we we were a call center of young musicians, twenty something musicians. You know, everybody's tattooed, engaged ears, and and you know, just a, a very artistic culture. 
and he, you know, he's coming from a very corporate culture, you know, jackets and, you know, he's older and just did not mesh, did not connect with the people, did not respect them. Uh, they didn't respect him. It was, it, you know, it was mm. his leadership style was arbitrary and a lot of favoritism. Um, despite talking about using data to run the call center, he didn't use it. You know, he, he made kind of arbitrary decisions. So anyway, bad fit. But that's a case, you know, what do you call that exactly? You know, it's, it's almost like, here's a specialist, but what we really needed, so, well, I ended up taking over the call center. And, and that's how I that's how I got into operations. That was my first project, like fix it. Like, well, okay, I've never done this before, but I'll I'll figure it out. And, and unfortunately, we had a lot of data uh, to look at, but it was also talking to people. Um, it was sitting down, taking people out to lunch, uh, in groups of six and you know what what do you like what don't you like what's what's wrong you know well, how can we make this better just listening 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 sitting with them watching what them do learning what they do again you know here's the learning piece so we could talk to them effectively and then start re-engineering things and we changed everything and over over time we managed we managed to change the culture so it became a place where people stayed uh, long term recruited their friends became like family you know but that that took right. time and, and it was a lot. The other thing with I was talking about HR with the turnover, it's like at that point we realized, look, we need a progressive discipline policy um, because think about this. Um, you know, I'm in Illinois and it's it's, it's a it's a um, it's a worker uh, friendly state, uh, which I think is a good thing. But what that means is that it's very easy to get unemployment, um, whether, you know, like it's just easy. So, like, you know, all those people are going on unemployment and um that you pay for that, you know, so your, your unemployment tax, our unemployment tax went up from two to 10% mm. in one year. And mm, it's a three gosh. year, it's a three year period, you know, so you, mm. you have three years to turn that around. It's like, okay, we need to turn this around. Let's get a progressive discipline policy in place. Cause we don't know, this is where you need an, a specialist. It's like, okay, I don't know about HR. I don't know about HR law. This is the kind of thing that, you know, um, you need a specialist for. And so she came in and she, we rewrote our our handbook, uh, but we we came up with a progressive discipline policy, you know, where you give you know the for the warning, the written warning, the second warning, you know, and all that. You you know, it, there's a if you don't do that, you cannot challenge unemployment. It, you right. know, that's that's sort of the that's sort of the uh, instrumental reason for doing it. But but right. but it's just the right thing to do, also, right? And and it's and it's it was foundational to our culture. So. There's a case where we had reached a point in our growth um, or, you know, at that point we were struggling where we needed to bring in a specialist. Interestingly enough, though, once all these things were established, we brought in another generalist because, OK, now we, we've got the rules established. We don't really need an HR professional necessarily. It's not that I wouldn't have kept one. Uh, she ended up leaving. And, and, and but the person that we were, replaced her with. And there's re I probably would have hired another HR person, frankly, but the CEO was like, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, he had some sort of HR, HR bias. I don't know. But um, point being that um, we didn't really need one because we had already, um, her, her expertise had helped us establish what we needed to establish. Right. And then that could be managed or executed by more of a generalist who was then again, more of a, uh, an office manager. Right. Going away from business for a second. <laughs> Another thing that this makes me think of, and maybe it was your the the liberal arts conversation from before, mm -hmm. but 
in the world, you, you know, you see a lot of people are big experts in virology or, you know, yeah. or philosophy or history or whatever. But there's certain people, certain very special people that are like, the, I think they call them polymaths. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where that word comes from, but, right. but, uh, but they seem to just, I don't know, maybe they could just go through periods or they just obsessively like learn about science and learn about philosophy, right. learn about history and, you know, and all different subjects. And, uh, and so I, I don't know, I mean, you have, uh, what are some good examples? I mean, you have Jordan Peterson or you have, mm-hmm. uh, ben I don't know, you just talk to certain yeah. people that like, I don't know, almost any, like almost any topic, like they, they, they just have what seems like a deep knowledge about, you know, there could be quoting philosophers like you were a second ago. And then, then <laughs> talking about science or, or, you know, or biology or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what what do you think makes people like that? Or like, what what's the differentiating <laughs> factor that creates people who are generalists in the world? Like, you know, because yeah, you know, most people are more specialists and whatever. They they know one thing, you know. Right? Yeah, I mean, if or none, but I mean, if they right. know anything, it's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it could be ADHD. Quite honestly, because um, uh, oh, they have that obsessive uh, that obsessive gene in ADHD. Well, okay, so. I'll be honest with you. I have ADHD, so I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll um, get, get do you okay? Quite honestly, Ben, I I suspected that, and 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 so uh, I'm glad that we can talk about it openly here on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. You have There's to listen no to a past in episode, and everybody out there, you should listen to a past episode with Peter Shankman, author of Faster Than Normal, mm. uh, from uh, from a couple months ago. I don't know if you've seen that book, but came on the podcast and spoke about. Uh, the, the superpower brain of uh, people with ADHD. So right, I, I will listen to that, and and I've I've heard that right, and so you know it can be your superpower. And the way I would just, but like anything, right, you're you're it's always two sides of the same coin. Your greatest strength is often your greatest weakness, and you get you've got to adapt to that. You know, my 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 old boss and I, who in he was a real brilliant guy. You know, uh, you know PhD, ABD dropout and math and statistics background, who was like really a great modeler, like a data modeler, data analyst. So uh, there's that whole thread that we, I can get to, but um, we were talking about like having the right um, pathology for the job. You know, like if you're, if you're, uh, I mean, you know, if, if you're a project manager, if you have a little bit of OCD and I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to, you know, um, dismiss or, 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 you know, lighten sort of the significance because you know ocd is a, is a real thing right. it's um, not fun it's not fun right? The person I know who has it. all right i know something about that as well and and so often they go together and uh but you know somebody who's um de- really what you want is detail orientation you know but often those two go go together and you want right. you know somebody's gonna be checking up following up you know who's good at that now now they need the self-awareness to know like hey a certain amount of that is a unnecessary b unproductive c annoying as hell you know so um, you need to you need to adapt and adjust. So back to your question about ADHD. Uh, well, we were talking about ADHD. The thing about that, or like the gift I see, is like is you see how the dots connect. You know, like there's a sprawling kind of like where you see a lot of dots, <laughs> and but you see how they connect. And I think this is really valuable. Um, you think that's an ADHD it, quality? I do. I think uh, you know I'm not an expert, but uh, I speak mostly from my own experience, and you know I've I've read about it. But I think I think what I notice is that like you know you fall. Let's think of think of your um, your brain or some or or really just any conversation like this one or um, 
you know, thought stream of consciousness inside your head, like a tree, you know, like there's the trunk and then you go off on a branch and then that branch has branches and that has branches and branches. Now it's easy for like rabbit holes, you know, it's easy to kind of go up, you know, into a branch. And then the key is, can you find your way back down to the, you know, the juncture there and go up a different branch, you know, and, and that's where, um, you know, it can be tricky because like you can lose a lot of time going, falling into a rabbit hole with ADHD, you know, that's the hyper-focus part of it. You know, and there's different kinds of ADHD. There's the combined type and all that, you know, we could get into all that. But the point being that, you know, it's not necessarily an inability to focus. I think that's what people misunderstand. Okay. It's, it can be hyper-focus in which it like you kind of get lost in time and, you know, four hours can pass, you know, it, you know, it can happen easily on the internet, you know, where you, you, these click, click trails, you know, these, these rabbit holes on the Wikipedia rabbit hole or whatever, or YouTube rabbit hole where you find yourself, you know, fascinated by a topic. So, you know, this is to your, to your point, like how does a person like Jordan Peterson or anybody who's like a polymath know a lot or know seemingly a lot about a lot of different things is because like, their their brain kind of branches out. They find themselves um, anyway. I'll speak for myself. I find myself kind of going, you know, uh, on these branched uh, rabbit hole trails, and and then and and just kind of discovering a lot of things. And it's all fascinating. It's all fascinating. But the key is you know to be able to bring it back home and connect it to something meaningful. And that you know and and you know and that's where I think you know that's that's another skill that is necessary to be an effective generalist, not just knowing a lot about a lot of different things, but understanding how they relate to each other. And so that kind of brings me to systems thinking, which is something that is, uh, that I really believe in. And I've been studying more and more. Uh, there's a book called thinking in systems by Donella Meadows. Hmm. It's a fantastic book. I would recommend it. You might like it. Um, do you, I don't know. Do you know much about systems thinking? No, I don't. It you may well it's worth exploring. Let me put it that way. But you know everything basically is a system. You know the world the world is a continuum. Um, there really are no boundaries. We kind of draw arbitrary boundaries around systems. You know for the purposes of conversation, but those boundaries can change depending on what you're thinking about or talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, it's to me, I've always kind of seen things as being interconnected. And, um, um, you know, understanding how those things connect and kind of finding the universals in them or, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the, the quest for the grand unified theory or the theory of everything, you know right. what I mean? Like the one elegant model that explains everything, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I get that, that, that hasn't happened in particle physics and it's, it's, uh, probably not going to happen, uh, uh, who knows? You know, and even when it does happen, this goes back to this goes back to Hegel, right? When I, then you have a new you have a new uh, you have a synthesis, synthesis. which which yeah. becomes the thesis, you know, and that that Brit splits into the thesis antithesis, and right. and then get that hopefully you know, so keep it, keep going it, deeper or bigger exactly, or, or hi, bigger higher deeper yeah uh, wider you know um, and so but well, I appreciate. It's yeah, not sorry. that complicated. I was just going to say, like, it, it is and it isn't, you know, so we're not talking about particle, particle physics here. We're talking about running a business. So I think there's some pretty good frameworks out there, right. you know, for how to run a business, how to grow a business. And that that's right. kind of what well, what's drawn me to those frameworks. Yeah. I mean, I know in my in my in my experience and I, I appreciate you bringing uh, 
bringing it back to the trunk from the, the rabbit hole that I took us down. <laughs> no, um, I took it there. I went with you. We, we went together, Ben. It's okay. It's a, a together journey. Yeah. But uh, I know from my experience, we, uh, you know, whenever I'm, uh, I'm in things that there's just lots of details and I, I, I can't see a way to, uh, you know, to, to create some sort of our grand theory or make it part of me, understand how the details are part of a system that just becomes yeah. overwhelming and frustrating. And I, I yeah. lose motivation to yeah. study those details. Right. Uh, if there's no, if it's just hundreds, thousands, dozens of details, it's just too, uh, you know, if, if it's not, if I don't, if I can't see or understand or under, you know, know where, where it's part of something, something systematic, it's just a bunch of details. I, I, I lose, lose interest it's uh, that's why it was actually harder for me that. to appreciate some of the strategic approach, strategic coach approach to things, because mm -hmm. it's like a lot of tools, right? It's just like a list of tools, and you know, kind of know when right. to apply which one, but right. uh, you know, because it's also an ever-growing list of tools. When so I appreciated, in a certain way, I appreciated EOS better than that, mm -hmm. because yeah. entrepreneurial operating system is it's it's a finite size, you know, it's like, right. it just is what it is. It doesn't change. It doesn't really adapt much over time. It's manageable. It's just like, here's a, here's a system or a framework for running a business. You just have to mm -hmm. plug the right things into the right places and right. do the hard right. things to actually make it happen. That's not easy, but yeah, it, it's uh, but it, but it creates a system. So right. you know, like that. Well, that that's why we need uh, structures, you know, it's, especially if you have ADHD, you know, and, and it's, it's funny, you talk about like, oh, as an operations person with ADHD, that sounds like a, an oxymoron or, or like a bad combination, you know, but the, the truth is, you know, you learn, you learn how to, how to cope and, and how to effectively deal with that. And in, in the primary way is structure is through structure. It's having a structure. And, and that's where, yeah. um, you know, EOS is great because, it simplifies again. I, I just did a post on that. I'll send you a link later. Uh, uh, sort of because I, I think it's a common problem. Whether you have ADHD or not, it, the point is is that people get overwhelmed with the details, and it easily. And if you get overwhelmed with the details, if you don't see a structure, it's really hard to get from here to there. You know, like in your company, if you're, um, you know, you're trying to figure out how it all works, and the more you know, on one level, it's really simple. But the more you look at it and then you zoom out and you kind of look, you see how the parts and the, how the parts fit together. But then you, know, you you press on pause and the parts start to move. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, and then think, you know, new conditions and, and states arise and they can be more or less predictable and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, and then you zoom out. It's like, oh man, this is more complex than I thought. And then you get overwhelmed and then you just kind of double down, down on, you know, drink more coffee and, you know, your current initiatives, you know, like in terms of planning, because you don't, you don't really have, like, in order to know, like, we want to go there. You need to know first know where you are, like have a really good, like current state diagram. I, and I'm a big believer, like if you can't diagram like a process flow of your business as it, as it exists today, you probably don't really understand how it works and you don't understand the underlying structure. Um, so one way to do that is to do that kind of work and then come out with it. Okay. This is how your business works today. This is where we want to go. How do we get from here to there? And then you kind of roadmap that. The, another way to do it though, is with a business operating system where it's more like an overlay, like, you know, you, you just, you put this overlay on top of your business and it be kind of, it becomes the structure of your business. And then you kind of align the de facto structure with this 
overlaid framework, which is dynamic. And, and then now you have a structured process and a structured system for building your business and growing and, and getting beyond the, the continual, the, the usual stuck points, you know, right. the, the, the places where people stagnate. Right. Well, this is, this is great stuff. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the kind of context that we get on, uh, on generalist versus specialist and, you know, kind of at what places and what stages each one is, is appropriate or helpful and sort of what happens if you, if you don't, if you don't have a generalist, if and when and where you need one. So, yeah. uh, or need to be one. So really appreciate this, Mark. Thank you so much for making the time and this uh, definitely wide ranging conversation. Yeah. yeah well, you're welcome. I hope it wasn't uh, overwhelming or off point. There, there's other stuff we could talk about related to yeah, that. Yeah. We but... could go on and on. We could be like Joe Rogan. We could do like three hours, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, I think what's key is, is like you need a specialist like in tactical places often. Right. You know, but like to hold it all, but SEM. to be the doctor and hold it all together when you have multiple pieces and parts, that's the parts where you, for which you need a generalist. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Awesome. To try I and bring it, it home. And, yeah. Yeah. You, thank you. It's, it's great talking. It's fun. Absolutely. Appreciate having you. Thank you for coming on and everybody else. We will see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to win, win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.